Welcome to the Sales Paradise Podcast, Episode 28. On today's episode, we have a Wall Street Journal best-selling author, Alex Goldfain. He's going to tell us about his new system. Actually, he's been doing it for quite a while, but he's got a brand new book coming out highlighting it, and you're going to be able to basically change everything in your sales as far as your results by just committing to five minutes a day. If you give him five minutes, you will get the results. All right. Well, welcome back. Um, as I mentioned on today's episode, we have Alex Goatfin. And you know, Alex, I'm going to actually ask you to help me on the pronunciation of that. But um, we're really excited to have you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think you said it uh, more than well enough. Uh, there's no reason <laughs> for perfect. There's only good enough is, is, is plenty for me. Well, me being uh, from the South, that's the that's music to my ears. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we actually worked on it before we went live to uh, get you to that point. So we'll, uh, hey man, I'll, I'll take the win. Uh, yeah, after 45 very, minutes very of trying. Yeah, thank you very, very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know, um, uh, as far as your book, Five Minutes Selling, I know that's the, the, the book that will be coming out and we're excited. I've had a kind of a, a preview of that and so, um, but first, before we even get into that, I'd love to know just how you got into sales. I've looked at your background and, um, and I wasn't sure like what brought you into sales to begin with. Yeah, so I've been doing sales uh, growth consulting work for um, probably about 12 years now. Uh, before that, uh, I, uh, I was doing uh, a, a column for the Chicago Tribune covering technology. I was a syndicated columnist, so that's how I learned how to write. Uh, my work appeared in 300 different publications. Uh, I did a radio show on WGN, uh, which is one of the uh, bigger uh, U.S. radio stations. And I did that for three years. And it was all about covering technology, sort of in the golden era when the iPhone came out, when flat panel TVs first came out, when they went from <laughs> tube TVs to flat panels, you know, when the TiVo was big, when the BlackBerry was big with the buttons. And remember the handspring trio? Oh, um, yeah. And so all these tech companies were marketing to me, were pitching to me. Uh, their stuff and they weren't very good at it. I don't know if you remember the back pages of magazines where it was all uh, like photos, Dell, Dell ads and they were, oh, all, yeah. it, would even, it would even fold out. So you'd get, you know, like, like a double page and it was all little pictures of desktop computers. Do you remember this? Oh and yeah. It was like a monitor and a box and a monitor and a box and it was all specs. It was all, you know, 386, 486, penny, remember? And, <laughs> And so I started helping them, you know, and, and, and I said that this would be how to do it better. And it, they started taking my advice. And then my wife said in her brilliance, she said, you know, you could get paid for this, right? <laughs> so I started helping them uh, in, in, in a consulting kind of a way. Uh, and then I wrote my first book, uh, Evangelist Marketing, which is that one. And um, that was all about how do we market consumer electronics. And as soon as that book came out, non-technology companies started calling me. So people that are in the manufacturing business and the distribution business, service companies, engineering firms, law firms, um, and then they got bigger and bigger. So I started helping them. And I realized I actually liked working with them more than the big public ones. Uh, the family businesses, multi-generational, you know, bigger companies uh, today, uh, but always with sales teams, always with um, customer-facing people, and always with simple uh, fast to implement 
communications, proactive communications with customers and prospects. And my average client adds 10 to 20% uh, to their sales annually. So I'm lucky that, uh, you know, as, as far as solo consulting firms go, uh, it's, it's a large, uh, successful practice. Uh, and, you know, everything in the book, in, in five-minute selling, it's not theory in a book. It's stuff that my clients do every day and that I do every day. And so, you know, I don't hope this will work for your listeners. I don't wonder if this will work for your listeners. Uh, Chandler, I know that if they put in these five proactive minutes a day, uh, consistently, every day, their sales will grow dramatically. I've seen individual salespeople double their sales with these five proactive minutes a day. So we know this works. The question is, will people do it? You got to do it. You can't know it and not do it. It's nice to know, but that doesn't make us any money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got to do it. The doing makes the money. So that's what, it, that's what my work focuses on, on the doing. Well, so then what do you see the biggest hurdle for most sales reps? Is it not knowing what the five things are the, to what to do in the five minutes or actually just implementing it or, you know, yeah, having the determination. Knows, everybody knows what to do. If you're a professional salesperson, you know that the telephone is better and more effective than email, right? We know this, uh, but we still email more than call. You know, we know that if we follow up on quotes and proposals more, we're going to close more of them, right? We know that referrals are good uh, for business growth. It's a great thing to do. And yet we don't ask nearly enough. So we know a lot of things that we don't do very much. And, you know, I, I say in every speech that uh, there's nothing I'm going to talk about today that you don't already know. You already know these things. And so now we're going to talk about doing them. That's the key. The key is systematizing action, not knowing, right? The key yeah. is systematizing action. Well, what, what, matter of fact, I mentioned it to you earlier. One of the things I really appreciated about your book is um, not only all of the knowledge and everything um, in the system, but you mentioned as far as like, don't finish the book. Let's go ahead and start implementing as you read. So yeah. what would be some of the things, uh, some of the first things that you would uh, want the sales reps to do as they're reading? Well, so for example, uh, the book has two planners and two trackers in it, which you can go to my website, goldfane.com and download for free right? So one of the planners is a proactive call planner. So there's eight, eight different categories of people that you can call. Uh, you can't do eight on one hand, I just learned. Um, <laughs> there's eight different categories of people you can call. And you know, for example, um, customers you haven't talked to in six months or more, great group, great group of people to reach out to customers who used to buy but stopped. Um, and right now, both of those groups Try thinking of five of each of those people, right? Customers you haven't talked to in six months or more and customers that used to buy, but stop. You can't think of five of each because they're not in our heads. We're not talking about them. We're not thinking about them. So you have to go to email or invoices or your CRM. Uh, and, and we need to spend some intentional moments writing down some names of people to reach out to. So that's a planner. Then a tracker is I want people to write down um, uh, who they called, what the you, the salesperson say, and what did the customer say? And then I want you to connect a dollar figure to that action. So if it's a three second, did you know question, did you know that I can also help you with this kind of thing or that, right Chandler? So in your world, did you know that I can do a fractional chief revenue officer work for you? That's a three second uh, question. That's a three second action. And then I want you to put down how much do you think that can be worth, right? So what did you just open up? Is it 20 grand? Is it 50 grand? Is it 150 grand? And so I want you to connect the, the revenue promise to the revenue potential to the action. And so that's, there's, we've talked about one of the planners and one of the trackers. And as you fill that tracker up 
with your week's actions that you can do in your five minutes. So you can ask a lot of those three second questions in five minutes, can't you? Oh yeah. In a day. And so as you fill that up, it becomes a gold mine of uh, opportunities to follow up on. It becomes a, a, a list of the good work that you've done, which will motivate you and propel you forward. And, you know, maybe more importantly, it becomes proof of your success. It becomes proof that this works. And that's going to make you want to do it more. Here, these came in on Friday. So you're one of the first <laughs> people to actually see uh, the book. By the way, when your book goes from your computer screen and, and your head into an actual book, it's a really cool moment, you know? And so here, I'll show you uh, the uh, tracker looks like this, if I can get to it. And this is an action tracker and it's literally just a bunch of lines. Oh yeah. Fill in. Who did you talk to? What did you say? What did they say? And then the last field there, I don't know if you can see that, it's a place to write, to write down uh, how much do you think that's worth? Um, so, you know, it has 17 or 18 lines or whatever there is. And then you finish one, you print another one out, you keep going. And it becomes proof of your success. And so we can go back to and follow up on those things. Uh, and then uh, hopefully you're motivated to do more. Now, do you see this being um, mostly individually based monitoring or, or sales reps or I mean sales managers kind of using that as implementing it into their KPIs or? Yeah, so the book is designed uh, for, for either. But if, if you're an ind individual salesperson and you want to implement this into your work, the book is designed to help you do that. If you're a sales manager and you want to do this with your teams, right? But, and that's what my projects are. When I work with clients, I work with organizations, right? So I work with, with, with groups that are larger usually, um, you know, dozens of people, 100 people, 500 people. And we do everybody who faces customers. So outside salespeople, inside salespeople, counter people, customer service people, drivers sometimes. Because all of those people can ask, did you know questions? Did you know we can also help you with this or that? Did you need this or that? And they can ask reverse, did you know questions? And there's a chapter on each of those things in the book. A reverse, did you know question is, what else do you need that I can help you with? What other projects do you have coming up that I can add value in? What's on your wish list? We ask them to name the products or services they need back to us. And when we do, guess what? They actually tell us. The customer actually tells us how we can help them. Literally, nobody has ever heard, no, I'd rather you not make my life easier today. <laughs> nobody will say that to you. Well, it's funny because um, I would think the tendency for, for most people is to ask a closed-ended question. And you have to feel like thinking that they're doing really well by asking a question, but like you said, make, keeping it open-ended, that basically makes it to where you may get some type of answer that you never dreamed of, but that's what's going to make life better for your client. That, that's open-ended questions and also silence helps lead us to that. You might oh, get yeah. an answer that you didn't even know to ask about. You know, if, if you ask a question and then don't talk and let the customer think, to answer your question, which is what they're doing. When it's quiet, that means the other person's thinking. So, <laughs> so don't nervous chatter your way out of business. Um, and so many people talk their way out of business. You know, so I, I would say to you, Chandler, uh, what other products, or, or let's say I sell products, right? What other products or projects do you have coming up uh, that I can help with? Or I might say, what are you buying from my competition that I can help you with, right? We're talking on the phone now. I'd like to help you with it. What's the point of you having to spend time to go over there later? Uh, you got me now. What do you need? 
And then I'm going to count to 100 in my head. I don't care, right? I'll <laughs> sing a song in my head, not out loud. That'd be weird. Um, and, and I'm going to let the customer think and answer my question because they're going to say things in your words that you might have not, never dreamed of. I'd never know to ask them about many of the things they're going to bring up. So I'm going to let them tell me. Well, you know, one of the things I was thinking um, when not only reading it, but also us talking is when, because I've trained quite a few different sales reps. And also I remember when I was coming up and beginning to be um, trained is the tendency in the beginning for a sales rep is to just give every single thing that they can do for a customer in the beginning. And so when we're first trying to make the sale, we make it too complicated. We need to keep it simple. But then for some reason, whenever we get the client, then that's when we forget. We almost like think, okay, well, we can't do anything else for them. That's the time to be thinking and expanding. But like in the beginning, you want to keep it simple because you want to get that sell for sell. It's interesting. Um, Customers niche us. So they think of us as only being able to provide that thing which they buy from us. And we salespeople, which is what you were just saying, we niche them. So look, this is what they buy. If they needed something else, they'll ask me about it. No, they won't ask you because they don't know that you can do it for them. And then you might say, well, but I told them last week or, or last month. And then you heard this thing, which no salesperson has ever heard before. I didn't know you did that. Right? <laughs> Nobody's ever heard that. And you say to yourself, well, I just told you I do this. I told you two weeks ago that I can do this. And you had the exact same reaction two weeks ago, right? So the takeaway there is just because we tell somebody something doesn't mean they know, you know, we remember that we told them, but they don't remember. Well, you know, it reminds me too, um, a friend of mine used to own a painting business and he would talk to them, you know, he did painting. Um, But what was funny is he would tell me that uh, he would ask those type of questions. And sometimes they would go, would you do hardwood flooring? He goes, sure. (laughs) He had never done it before, but what was funny, but then he basically trained himself before doing it. Um, You know, just YouTube videos and everything. But that was something that was never on his mind, but him just like asking that open-ended question, you never know what'll come. That's right. Exactly right. Couldn't agree more. Well, so um, you mentioned as far as, you know, working with different um, sales teams and everything, what have you seen as being some of the, the most, the biggest challenges? Obviously we've talked about before just implementing this, Yeah. but are there any parts of this that they seem to have the most challenge? Well, I think that the thing that keeps salespeople from doing the things that we know we should do, is uh, almost always fear, fear, fear of rejection, I think dominates sales behavior. It's the key mindset. And, you know, it's why, as we've already said, you know, everybody knows that the telephone is more effective than email, but yet we mostly email. Everybody knows that asking for the business will lead to more sales. And yet we don't ask very much, right? We know referrals are good for business and yet we don't ask for too many referrals. So the reason we don't do those things, we know we should do them, but we don't do them is almost always fear. So we have to address the mindset. So my last book, Selling Boldly, the orange one there is all about mindset and positive psychology in sales, in selling. This book here, we have a chapter on mindset, but this is a book actually where I want the success of the quick actions to be the thing that helps you change your mindset. Meaning, uh, I want 
the telephone, which is good for your sales, but also good for your positivity and your optimism uh, and your and your gratitude because you're going to have a good conversation with somebody. I want you to call somebody you know. They know your name and you know their name. You have a relationship with them. And I want you to call them and say, uh, hey, Chandler, how are you? I was thinking about you, right? How you doing, man? Um, how's your family, right? How was summer? Was it normal for the kids at least? Was it a little bit normal, right? Did they, did they get to do some activities? What about school? Um, what are they going to do for school? Are they going to go in? Um, and you might say, but what are you doing for work? Uh, are, are you going in? Are you working from home? Is everybody working from home at, at work? And then you pivot to the sale and you say, um, how's work going, man? What are you working on these days that I might be able to help you with? You know, where are you at? What do you have going on? Back to one of those open-ended questions, as you said. And when you have a call like that, you're going to feel good. You know, you're going to get energy from that call. You're going to connect with somebody who wants to connect. Look, our customers are all doing what we're doing, Chandler. They're all sitting at home at their desks. Right? <laughs> we're all doing the same thing. Everybody's at their desk. You're at your desk. I'm at my desk. And guess what we have next to us? The phone. Everybody has their phone next to them. And guess who's not calling your customers, right? The answer is nobody's calling your customers. They're sitting in silence. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from people that, gosh, you're the only one calling me, right? Nobody else must care. The competition must not care. I'm not hearing from anybody. You're the only one here. So we think their phones are ringing off the hook. No, nobody's calling them. So when you make these calls, of course, you're going to progress business, right? Business will, you, you'll open new opportunities up, you'll progress opportunities, you'll close opportunities, right? You'll close sales. But also you're going to feel better. You're going to become more positive. You're going to become more optimistic. You're going to become more energetic and more bold. And then that's going to lead you to more phone calls. So the answer to the fear, to, to solving the fear issue is, Let's make a call and connect with a customer and then get ourselves into a righteous circle, which means go to the next call, as opposed to the vicious circle, which is avoiding it, being fearful, being meek, avoiding it some more, procrastinating some more, feeling worse as a result, you know, feeling more uncomfortable, feeling more bad about yourself. And so we want to get out of that circle. The transition from that circle to the good one, the arrow to this one is the phone call. Well, you know, one thing I'd like to add too, um, as far as the benefit of your, your process and your program, it's not just even increasing business or, you know, kind of being on the offense. Um, it's also defense because even in, when, when there's no pandemic going on, you want to see whether anything's changed at whatever company, whether there's a different contact, but especially now with so many people being furloughed or laid off, you don't want to lose business. But then, right. and then if you think about the, um, I guess the strategy of also some of your competitors, they may have, you know, had to shuffle up some, some different places to where maybe they have a different rep calling on that person. Or, so you want to take advantage of these times. But like you said, regardless of any of it, most people aren't calling. No, you know, most people aren't calling. And, and most customers are sitting in silence. Uh, and, you know, think about your own phone. I mean, are you getting a lot of phone calls from salespeople? When well, I do, but I'm, I'm an, an anomaly. But, I, <laughs> but, but when yeah. nothing is wrong, are they pitching? Are, are, they, are they being present? You know, how many of those kind of relationship calls are you getting from people? No, that you well, know? that's a different, I guess that you're talking about. Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Um, there's a difference in um, a lot of cold calls and solicitations compared to the relationship type of calls that you're, you're mentioning. 
calls from people that you know, you recognize, right. at least you recognize their company, right? You know, fr from whence they come. And yeah, they know your name, you know, theirs, or at least their company name. And they're, they're making a human phone call when nothing is wrong, nothing's on fire, right? And they're not they're not pitching you. And they're not cold calling you. They're just connecting, right? How many calls do we get like that? I don't get any calls like that. And I teach this stuff, you know, <laughs> that's all. If anybody follows my work, that's all they hear from me. You know, there's in, in articles and videos in person. Um, I don't get any calls like that. Well, so let's go um, with um, the, the five minutes a day. Let's say you've got a sales rep that their boss does not buy into this, or maybe just is not aware of it, yeah. um, which I would recommend anyone listening present this to your boss, because um, I think the best way is to get it to where this is part of their process too. But let's say if someone, if, if a sales rep is, is, you know, going solo, first of all, I think to some ways that could be um, their advantage because, uh, you know, advantage against the other reps as far as being compared is if they're kind of upping their game. But um, I know that as a, as a, you know, previous sales manager and, and director and VP and all of that, you've got certain things that management's looking at saying, okay, these are the boxes we want checked. And what I love about your process, we're talking about five minutes. So this is not meant to take away from any box that your manager's checking. Let's say they want you to send out a certain amount of emails. Yeah. This doesn't have to replace it. That's right. It's five minutes on top of, of everything else you're doing, you know? And um, again, the book is written in a way that, any individual salesperson that wants to grow their sales can do this for five minutes a day. If the goal is to grow the company, however, then you're exactly right. We need managers and frankly, leadership executives, right? Not, not sales team managers, but the executives, the people who run the company, we need them to, to think that it's important to grow with this process. Uh, the most successful organizations I work with, you know, some of my clients are adding 50 to 60% right now, year over year, and they're $300 million companies, $200 million companies. I mean, big organizations growing a lot right now because they're the only ones doing this kind of outreach in system, systematically. See, the system is the key. It's not make a call when you happen to think about it. That's, that's a snowflake that falls to the ground and melts. It's fleeting. Individual actions like that every once in a while they're fleeting. Um, the key is the system. Do five minutes a day, every day, over a long period of time. Let's say you decide to make five phone calls a day, right? Each call, you're probably going to leave a voicemail, you know, so each calls, let's say it's a minute, but you can probably do it in 30 seconds, right? Leave your voicemail. But let's say it's a minute. It's five a day. There's your five minutes. Um, that's uh, 25 a week, 100 a month, and 1200 a year, 1200 phone calls. Now, let's say you're on a team of 10 salespeople, 12,000 phone calls. Now you have a freaking blizzard, not snowflakes that are melting. You have a blizzard of activity, of um, energy, of connecting with customers, of showing people that you care, and of course, of new business. Look, we all care enough. I'm not suggesting you need to care more. I think you're, you care more than enough. You're world-class at serving the customer. I'm suggesting we need to communicate that care a little bit more. Uh, if you care in silence, nobody knows. You know, it does no, it has no impact on your business, on your selling. 
We need to communicate that we care. How? By showing up, by being present, by saying, Chandler, I was thinking about you. Now, what do you need from me uh, that I can help with? Yeah, I, can, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I can guarantee you there is a certain percentage of um, clients that right before they get that call, they were probably even thinking about moving to another competitor. Yeah. Because you know, that's a, if nothing else, like you said, it's just showing that you care and, and gives them a, almost like a format to be able to air whatever questions they have. Yeah. Many times when you're present like this systematically, people will say, um, you know, I'm good on that thing that you called me about, but what about this other thing that I do need now? You know, and they're going to bring things up to you, again, that you don't even know to ask about because you're there. You're the one present. Nobody else is, right? They need that thing. They don't really have time to go and make the phone calls. At least they haven't found it yet to go reach out to, to other providers. But you're there and you're going to get the opportunity. And so how does the sales rep, um, in, in your impression as far as how does the sales rep make these calls without coming across that they're trying to make a pitch and, but yet they're trying to show that they care. Like what would be? You use exact, so the, the book is full of scripts and language. You use exactly the language that I've demonstrated here a few times already. Uh, so you, you don't lead with a pitch. You lead with uh, Chandler, it's Alex. Uh, hey man, I was just thinking about you. How's your family, right? How are the kids? How was summer? How's school gonna be? And by the way, what are you working on these days that I can help you with, right? Not, hi Chandler, buy my sales training. <laughs> Hi Chandler, do you feel like your salespeople need to be trained up? You know, no, because I, I don't want to get those calls, right? You want to get those calls? I don't want those calls. It's Hi Chandler, how are you? I was thinking about you. How's your family? Now, what are you working on these days, and where can I add some value? And what time of day do you recommend that they do this? Obviously, I know any time of the day is better than none. But well, it's a good question. Um, first thing in the morning is best. The same time of day is best. Uh, so. Uh, and, and that's the, the reason is by two o'clock, you're going to be really busy doing your reactive work, right? See, 90 to 95% of salespeople operate reactively, uh, which means the phone rings, we answer it and we, we jump, right? Customer puts up a hoop and says, jump, solve a problem or, or fill this order. And we jump, we have to, we can't say, I'm sorry, I'm doing my proactive work right now right? Yeah. <laughs> when I'm back into reactive mode. You can't say that you got to jump. You have to serve the customer. Um, so by two, by 12, even by 10.30, there's going to be a lot of reacting going on in your day. So I suggest 8.30 or 9, first thing, uh, come in and do your proactive communication. Uh, Mark Twain said, um, if you got to eat a frog, you might as well do it first thing in the morning because it's not going to taste any better later in the day. You know? And then he said, if you have to eat two frogs, you might as well eat the bigger one first right, and get it over <laughs> with. So I think first thing in the morning is the right time. It's kind of like exercise. I mean, you know, it's um, like I get mine done right away because I know that typically also something always comes up. Totally. Yeah, well, you can't. Oh, yeah, if I don't work out before my workday starts, I'm done for the day, right? Because then there's even, even after work, there's hang out with the kids time, there's go to the garden time. I keep a big vegetable garden, so that requires some attention. Um, that's my hobby. Um, you know, and then my wife wants to open a bottle of wine. And so we have her drink. And as soon as you, you have the first sip of wine, it's all over, right? It's not going to happen after that. Um, so yeah, if I don't work out before my workday begins, it just doesn't happen that day. Well, to me, what's fascinating about your background, even talking about um, kind of what you get off your plate uh, first thing, is you came from being a writer yeah. 
to this. And I'm so used to talking to salespeople that became writers. And so like with you being a writer, um, what would you, as far as you, even your work, what would you typically do first thing in the morning or? You know, I came to this, I, I took you kind of not all the way to the beginning with that story, but I, I ran a computer consulting company first and we, we did a lot of computer training. So in my, I, and I went straight into business. I've never had a job. So, and I'll answer your question, but first I was in business and I wrote and spoke to, to market, to, to promote and to sell, right. To get leads. And then when that went away with it, when the internet bubble burst, right, that goes away. All I had left was the writing and the speaking. And so I did, I just did that. And I eventually developed and ended up at the Tribune with the, with the syndicated column and, and the radio. So the answer to your question is what, what do I do first? Um, I have a really hard time writing uh, well before it's due. In fact, I have a really hard time doing anything well before it's due. Uh, and, and so I use a great tool called Pomodoro. Are you familiar with this? No. Pomodoro. It's a Pomodoro timer. It started out as a kitchen oh, timer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So there's a little tomato and you twist it and it, and it you know, winds down, counts down. Well, you can download a little, a little app for your computer or your phone or your, or your you know, iPad, whatever you use. And it's a little timer on the top of the screen and you set the intervals. So you put down, you know, I want to write for 20 minutes or 15 minutes. And then you set the break timer. The break timer is what do you, how long do you want in between intervals? So five minutes, 10 minutes. So as long as the clock is running, I'm writing. Or as long as the clock is running, I'm making my calls. As soon as the clock dings, I'm out. Now I finish my call. I won't hang up the call if I'm in the middle of one. But, but as soon as that call is done, I set the break timer. I get up and I walk around, right? I go outside. I see the kids, whatever. But then I come back and I start the timer again. And I do another round. And so that's been a key for my, uh, both my writing productivity, my selling productivity, whatever. If you have an open day, like when I was finishing five minutes selling, right? The last two weeks, you leave it open on purpose because you, you know you're going to grind through those two weeks, you know? So the days are fairly open. I purposely left off calls. I just, I just wanted writing time. Well, when you have an open calendar, as many people do because we're at home, it's really hard to be productive because there's no structure. So this timer adds structure. A whole day of calling or writing seems really um, big. And, and scary, but 15 minutes, or in this case, you know, in, in the book's case, five minutes, it's very doable, right? Even I can do five minutes, even if you don't like to sell, even if you don't like to make calls, even you can do five minutes. So, so that's the psychology there. I do love the, um, because like you said, uh, it's very, it's a very similar concept. Like you said, as far as the, the Pomodoro and even the five minutes, it's, you've got that defined period of time and five minutes seems like okay, it's like whether you're exercising or running or like okay i can do anything for five minutes yeah regard even if it's painful like and i was thinking right. about um you know you hear uh, writer's block and me being from nashville um even like songwriters you hear about um people that um you know talk about writer's block but the the real professionals it's like they don't believe in that sometimes they're more inspired than others but they just grind through like even yeah. jerry seinfeld was talking about writing material he said, you know, if like some of these people in construction are drudging through the day to get, you yeah. know, they don't want to go to work, but they, they do it. And he said, that's when he kind of thought, well, you know, I can, even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to write. That's right. So it's kind of like sales. We should be, I mean, for five minutes, I mean, it's like, come on, just do it. That's right. 
Yeah. And look, you're never probably going to feel like picking up the phone and calling somebody who, you know, you haven't talked to in a long time, right? Most people aren't going to feel like doing that now. And so, as you said, five minutes, even you can do that for five minutes. And yeah. then you've done it and you've succeeded and you've won and you go on with the rest of your day. I may even could do six minutes, you know. You, you, may, do, <laughs> you may do 10 even, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you too. Like, um, I would assume that five minutes is like the minimum that, that someone just says, okay, I've got to get this done. But I could see once someone gets into it, many times that probably extends. Well, look, if it gets good to you, do more than five minutes, right? If you're doing yeah. yourself and if it's working and, you know, if you connect with somebody on one of those five calls, chances are you're going to spend more than five minutes. But I'm telling you, five intentional proactive minutes where you communicate with customers and prospects combined in a day. And remember, these are often made up of three second actions, right? Did you know I can also help you with this or that? What other things do you need that I can help you with? Where are you at in that proposal? I was thinking about you. Uh, are you ready to begin? I can start uh, this month or next month. When do you want to go? When can I expect that PO? A closing question. Um, five minutes of that is a lot. You know, that's a lot of communicating those things. So of course you can do more. I'd love it if you did more, but I'm telling you five minutes is enough. Now, um, the, you mentioned your other books. Um, so evangelist marketing, who's the audience for that? Evangelist marketing is for marketing consumer electronics. So that, that's, a, that's a marketing book. Okay, so then, then the selling boldly. That, then selling boldly is for salespeople, uh, for, um, and, and that's about mindset and about positive psychology in sales. Five Minute Selling is the action book. It's, it's the manual for, for taking action. And the one you can't see because of the glare, the white one there is called The Revenue Growth Habit. And that one came before Selling Boldly. The Revenue Growth Habit actually is for groups, it's for teams. It's for owners and managers to help run their teams through this proactive communications. Interesting. And so like the Five Minute Selling, when did you actually come up with that process or the, um, the program? I came up with it. Well, it's, it's been, you know, it's been evolving. It's, yeah. it's all based on the projects that I do with clients. You know, all of my work is based on stuff that I'm actually doing for myself and for my clients. And so it's not like I woke up in the morning and it didn't exist and then it existed all of a sudden. It's, it's evolved over the years, over the last dozen years into, into this. So each book is sort of an evolution of the one before it. And for everyone listening, um, even though, um, you know, Alex has primarily worked with technology companies in the past. No, that's uh, just on the marketing side. I work with I work with manufacturers, distributors, and service companies. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This is not industry yeah. specific. Um, yeah. So even oh, if someone, right. even if someone's like in um, uh, like healthcare, um, or maybe they're even calling on, you know, where they're a surgical rep, and so that's a different game. Um, and um, and typically, you're not going to get in touch with a surgeon by phone. Um, but there's still other people within, um, you know, whether it's someone in their office, but also using these same type of techniques, regardless of the industry. Um, it's, it's almost like the practice of it is what's important. That's right. Absolutely. Totally agree. The practice is what's important. Well, Tim, uh, so as far as um, we talked about even some of the things that you do, you know, when you first wake up, as far as is that, would that be like a routine, like a morning routine? We've asked some of our guests. Do you have anything um, specific? Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be very exciting to you, but I'll tell <laughs> you. Um, I, uh, I make my coffee first thing, because uh, that's important to me. 
uh, and I'll, I'll, if, if it's a workout day, I'll make a smaller coffee. I'll make a half a coffee and then I'll go work out. If it's a, if it's not a workout day, I make a full coffee. Uh, always before work, I go out to my garden cause I keep a really big vegetable garden. And this year I'm trying to grow a giant pumpkin. Uh, so my big pumpkin is up to 300 pounds currently. So oh. I measure it. I measure it with tape, uh, measure with it. So I get the inches of the pumpkin and I convert it to, to pounds. And I have three, I have three big ones growing. Um, so I go hang out there and check that out. And they do that every day because I want to see how much it's growing every day, see what I need to adjust. Uh, and then I I come back in, and by now it's like 7.30 or so, and I hang out with my wife, uh, and we talk about the day. And we I'll either finish my coffee or have another coffee with her. Uh, and then I come up here. I come up to the office, and I've always worked from home. Uh, so um, I'll come up uh, by, you know, usually between 8 or 8.30, I'm I'm sitting here. And I have a treadmill desk over there uh, farther down in my office. And uh, I try to spend an hour or two walking on the treadmill desk. So I don't sit here the whole time. Although with all these Zoom meetings, um, you know, you have to sit. You can't be walking at your desk. Um, so, so that's been a, a kind of a crimp on, my, on, on what I do in my office has changed things a little bit. So is uh, your so desk, um, um, I actually just ordered one that, um, you know, you can either stand or sit. Yeah. Um, do you have like a different desk for sitting and then your treadmill no, have, desk? I'm, I'm, I'm at my regular desk now, which is like a big reclaimed barnwood table. Um, and that's my, that's my office desk. And then my treadmill desk is, is a stand-up desk. And so I can walk slowly. I walk at like two miles an hour and, and just do all my work. I can talk on the phone at two miles an hour. Uh, I can write whatever I need to write at two miles an hour. And that's what I do. You know, I was going to ask you as far as technology, which you can add something to it. But let me ask one more question about that treadmill. Um, is that did that come separately than the desk or? Uh, you can do either way. Uh, I've, I've had it separately before. This one I bought all together at a company called iMover. I-M-O-V-R. iMover. And they do it together. And they make, they make the treadmills specifically for walking on because those actually require more power and a bigger motor. Uh, because when you walk on it, Ironically, you're not running. It's it's heavier steps than than the lighter running steps, and so they make walking treadmills. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, because I, I move around quite a bit. Like when I'm on calls, like you said, as far as Zoom, you you're pretty much limited. <laughs> but um, is there any other type of technology that you feel like, whether it's that you've seen that really helps you, or let's say the sales reps? You know, uh, I think. I think we've covered the big ones. I think the keys, Chandler, are um, it's not the technology or the system that matters. It's, it's the consistency of using it that matters. So it's the consistency of behavior. So in the book, in 5-Minute Selling, I have a two-week challenge that I've laid out for readers. And the challenge is um, give me five minutes a day for two weeks, which is, which is uh, 50 minutes over 10 business days, right? Um, which is 50 minutes out of 80 hours of work time. And if you do that, and I, I make an assignment in the book, so five calls, five did you know questions, and five uh, quote or proposal follow-ups per week. That's three things a day for 10 days. If you do that, you're going to open up more opportunities. You're going to progress more opportunities to a close, and you're going to close more opportunities. So um, that's the work. Uh, if you do that, I think you're going to find that confidence. You're going to find that positive um, thinking about your proactive work, and you're going to want to do more of it, and you're going to do more of it. 
So all I need is five minutes a day for two weeks. And the challenge is right here in the book. And you could go to my website and download the planners and the trackers. And what's the, what's the website? The website is my last name, goldfain.com. G-O-L-D-F-A-Y-N, F-A-Y-N. Uh, and uh, you click on the cover of the book and then you'll be able to download uh, the planners and the trackers. And will this, as far as the book, um, uh, the best places to get it from your website? Will it be on Amazon as well? Or? Uh, the book is published by Wiley, so you can literally buy it wherever books are sold. And uh, I won't be selling it on my website, but you'll find the link to Amazon on my website. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can probably even buy it at your local bookstore if, if you have one in town. All right, well, I definitely recommend everybody get this book. Um, you know, there's a lot of great books out there, but this is something um, that you need to add to your arsenal and just um, not only get it and read it, but just start implementing immediately. Thank you. Thank you, Chandler. I appreciate it. It was great to be with you. I'm grateful. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to you and to try to help your audience. Yeah, thanks so much.